Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. Our set of episodes on finishes continues with aesthetic finishes. Well, aesthetic finishes are any finish that alters the appearance of the fabric. This is very much a catch-all category. Uh, A few of the things I'm going to talk about here don't really make the fabric, like, substantially look better. They just, you can just see them. And that's important because the functional finishes in most cases are undetectable to the naked eye. We can only detect them through performance, right? Does it catch on fire? Does it protect you from sunburn? And so we're just going to keep those finishes in their own category. And then basically any finish that isn't routine ends up in this category here. So I have grouped them, you know, according to luster or hand or texture and design, but some of the quote textures or designs are going to be things like, you know, oh look, there's a aluminum coating on it. You know, we can see it. Oh look. That's the main caveat here when I say aesthetic, uh, because we tend to think of aesthetic as meaning something looks good. Then um, doesn't necessarily, it just means we can see it. So let's start with luster, because this is a a big category where we experimented a lot, especially in the early Industrial Revolution. At least one of them you already know about, which is beetling. Uh, We beat the linen fabric to break up the fiber bundles, remove the pectin that's around the fibers, make the fibers uh, smaller because they're now uh, not uh, glued to their neighbor with the pectin. We do this to improve the absorbency and the softness of the fabric, but it does also change the aesthetics. It looks shinier now uh, because, you know, the pectin was, was, you know, kind of... um, Uh, crusty stuff and now it's gone and the beauty of the fiber can shine through. Um, Now the next category I hinted at when we finished up with the routine aesthetic, uh, routine finishes. I mentioned that the that the calendar that we use to to iron it, to flatten it, uh, could be used for other things and so I want to get into those now when I talk about uh, a category of finishes called friction calendaring. Again, not like calendar, but like colander, only spelt slightly differently. So not a thing you put on the wall, but a dude's name. Uh, so to friction calendar, we'll uh, dip the fabric in some sort of uh, coating, like uh, resin or starch, and then we pass it through very high-speed rollers. And these rollers basically polish the surface of the fabric. So kind of think of wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off, right? Uh, we have a luster or a glaze, and now the fabric can also repel uh, water. And these finishes were important uh, in the whole uh, history of uh, the Industrial Revolution prior to the invention of hydrophobic fibers. This was the only way we could really get waterproofness, right, was to polish this resin on. And, and having it be polished meant people could look at the fabric and know it was waterproof because it was shiny. Um, I've applied wax to a textile. I bought something from Fjall Raven and, and bought a Greenland wax um, cube and ironed it onto my uh, painter's uh, apron. And now if I wanted to have that be kind of shiny and, and glazed, I, I could try to, to, to buff it with a high-speed buffer. Uh, but obviously it would have been easier if I just purchased fabric that was already embedded with wax and then glazed. So uh, some companies like Fjall Raven is kind of going old school. And so you might see these sorts of finishes come back. 
some of the names for these fabrics are things like glazed cotton or polished cotton. You may also hear it referred to as oilcloth, especially if you're reading historical fiction. You know, the, the, the captain's secret orders are wrapped in oilcloth uh, to protect them from getting wet, right, when he climbs into his ship to begin spying on Napoleon or something. Uh, sear, C-I-R-E, with a little accent on it, that is uh, means like a wet look, right? So you might uh, buy something with that. Of course, nowadays, uh, the, the um, resin may be a synthetic, right, like a polyurethane, but still, it will be polished in order to give it a good shine. I mentioned uh, chintz also in a, in a previous episode when I was talking about block printing. So the word chintz refers to fabric that comes from China. Now, when we say, ooh, it's chintzy, we mean like that it's old-fashioned and too darling, right? Like, um, uh, let's see, think of, um, what was her name? Ms. Umbridge in Harry Potter, right? And the kittens on the wall, right? And uh, uh, so there, there was a certain interior design style where chintz was used all over the place, but it was, in fact, um, uh, printed uh, textiles that were imported into the UK, uh, and so many came not actually from China, but from Indonesia. They, they came via ships that went to China. Uh, look into the whole um, uh, opium wars, for example, to understand the triangular trade there um, that, uh, that resulted in the founding of Hong Kong. There's opium involved, there's silver involved, uh, you know, gunpowder, uh, and of course, textiles. Very often rode in the hold of ships uh, to and from the different places in this complex global trade route. So chintz is polished and is great for upholstery, right? Because uh, it can be used indoor or outdoor. Um, you can have people sit on it who are a little bit damp and uh, it won't be damaged. Now, another cool thing they discovered when they were using these calendars was that if you took a unbalanced plain weave fabric, so rib weave fabric like a taffeta, and ran it through a calendar, not not necessarily uh, running that fast, not necessarily, or you know, depending on the fiber, not even hot. If it's thermoplastic, the the, the roller can't be hot, right? But we would we would run it through the the calendar, and then we would see that there was a, a change in the appearance of the fabric. The ribs are now flattened, and they're flattened kind of in a random way, but they lean on each other, and so you end up with sort of these circles of ribs that are all leaning one way, and then suddenly they break and lean the other. And we end up with uh, what looks like tree grain, or what's called watermark designs. So moire, M-O-I-R-E with an accent, moire, is a, a fabric that results from calendaring rib weaves. Uh, you can tell if the moiré is real so that the design isn't just printed onto the surface of the fabric. If you look closely, you will see that the filling yarns are larger, right, and the distinctive ribs. If you don't see that, then it's not a real moiré. And you might have a swatch kit that has an example of both a real moiré and a faux moiré. So that's uh, the changes in luster. Let's talk about changes in hand. We're going to go from soft to stiff. So uh, softening is uh, very popular. People now especially prize textiles that uh, give them comfort uh, so that don't challenge their body in any way. Uh, we aren't showing the, the um, certainty of our character by wearing stiff clothes uh, like we might have in a previous century. Uh, uh, nowadays, uh, we're not even sure really how to define what character is and so uh, certainly couldn't have an outfit that showed character. Um, sorry, that was an aside. Kind of a bitter one, but uh, uh, 
you know, when you read a lot of history, you, you sort of wonder how you would have stacked up in a previous era in a corset. Uh, so uh, softeners, um, one of the big ways to make uh, something soft is just to add a chemical, a softening agent. It's especially used on cellulose fibers, uh, which end up um, having a tendency to be kind of stiff and have a scratchy hand after they're laundered. Uh, well, of course, the challenge with this is that these softeners uh, reduce absorbency. So if you're using them on a towel, the towel will feel soft when you rub it against your bare skin, but the towel is actually less effective at drying you. Uh, also, the softeners reduce the strength and abrasion resistance of the fabrics that they're applied to, while increasing the hairiness and pilling. So you end up with a lot more dust because the fibers can slip out into your dryer, into the, into the air in the bathroom. That's why you might have to dust the bathroom a bit more than other parts of the house. Uh, and the textiles won't last quite as long. But uh, your hands will slip over the silicon that's applied and, and you will sense a feeling of softness. This is very much a temporary finish. Uh, it washes off every time you launder it, which is why people purchase uh, the finish and apply it during laundering. Um, another way to make things soft is permanent, right? And that is what we would call a wash. So uh, this not only softens the hand, but it also lightens the color uh, and typically uses an abrasive, something that oxidizes or breaks down the, the fibers in some way, damages them. And then the, the, fi the broken fibers now feel uh, softer on the hand and the color is lighter because the dyes on the fiber may have been um, broken as well. Uh, so we now have um, a lot of lint and uh, uh, dye in the um, wash water. So we could talk about pre-wash, stone wash, acid wash, enzyme wash, sand wash, washing, frosting, right? Bio wash that uses an enzyme, uh, and all of those will soften the, especially denim, and lighten the color. I was at a factory in um, uh, the Dominican Republic. And they, uh, we went into the uh, finishing room and there were huge dryers full of pumice stones. Uh, you gotta be careful you're not standing in front of those while they're running because if they open inadvertently, the stones will fly out uh, and give a new meaning to stoned at work. Um, and uh, so these pumice stones are, are basically abrading fibers off the surface of the denim in order to make the denim very uh, soft uh, and then it's made into jeans. They didn't end there, they used uh, uh, sandpaper to uh, scrub the, in this case, uh, what was in style at the time was to scrub the, the backsides of the jeans uh, in order to remove some of the finish. Um, you know, the disturbing part about that visit was seeing the huge wastewater pond outside. Uh, all of the water from uh, that's uh, rinsed off of the, the frosted denim, you know, that had been distressed by hand and all of the water from the machines that were doing the stone washing. Uh, it's full of denim fibers and uh, they ran it through a centrifuge. So it was just a huge stack of broken fiber, uh, taller than me, uh, outside the building, but also a lagoon full of deep, dark, d uh, almost black uh, water that is the indigo dye that has been scraped off of the denim. And uh, they'll try to bring the dye out of solution uh, in the in the water, right, to clean the water. But they but they admitted that they'll never get the water clean enough to drink. It may be used for agricultural purposes, but not for drinking. 
And it's sort of sad to think that our style is, is polluting somebody else's water. Um, just somehow looking at the backside of those jeans, they just don't look as hot now, do they? If we realize that somebody just rubbed their, their butt in somebody else's river, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're doing is just leaving your foul butt pollution in someone else's river. Um, yeah, yeah, it kind of really irritates me. It rubs me the wrong way, so to speak. I really wish distressing as a trend would go away. I think it's distressing. Uh, it produces lower quality products that aren't as sturdy and don't last as long, and that people can't value as much, even though they pay quite a bit more for it. And they never really think or understand about the damage that's being done, not only to the textile, but to potentially the water supply system in a country that isn't, uh, doesn't have uh, strong enough uh, laws or protections to protect themselves against a company that wants to do that. So, yeah, I get a little passionate about that when I was told no beer. I couldn't drink the water, even though I offered to. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that just kind of, it's kind of crappy to, to complete the butt metaphor there. Uh, so uh, another way that we could do this is using a roller. Uh, big surprise. It's a very uh, popular tool. The roller covered with sandpaper. Uh, and uh, so we would call this sanding or suading or emmerizing. And, and think about that. Emery boards, we use them to rub our fingernails, right? They, they can get pretty hot. And the uh, emery board uh, abrades the keratin off of the tips of our fingernails. So we're breaking the fibers using these emery-covered rollers. Uh, so it'll weaken or tear or disintegrate the fabric. But gosh, it will feel soft. Uh, we have to be careful. We can't do this with thermoplastic fibers, things that are made with synthetic fibers. Uh, because the rollers get hot, you can feel the heat when you're rubbing your nail with, a, with an emery board. Uh, that heat can glaze the surface of the thermoplastic. Uh, this is what how we define a chalet. A chalet is a fabric that's been s sanded or suede to make it softer. This emmerizing is done with um, the microfiber fabrics to really uh, highlight the fact that the fibers are small, so they can be broken and damaged during the emmerizing, and we can feel the, all the soft, broken ends. Uh, another thing we do with a roller, uh, in this case it won't be covered with sandpaper, it'll be covered with wire bristles. And we'll use a low twist staple yarn to weave a fabric, right, like a, a low twist uh, cotton fabric. And then we'll rub it with these uh, rollers that are covered with wire bristles. And they pull up, they tease up fibers out of the low twist yarn. Uh, and they'll all follow the same direction as the rollers, and that uh, produces what we call a nap. Uh, we can actually see it, right? If we turn the fabric one way, the fibers are kind of laying down in one direction and create a bit of a luster. When we turn and look at it the other way, we're looking at the ends of the fiber pointing towards us as they're laying at an angle, and it's uh, kind of much deeper and darker look. Uh, so this makes the fabric we call flannel, right? Uh, and we will uh, do this on sheets and, um, you know, uh, uh, we could do it with wool or with uh, cotton and it improves thermal retention. Um, it also improves pilling, which can't really be called an improvement, but it makes the fabric really soft. So napping, N-A-P-P-I-N-G, because it creates a nap, which is this uh, soft uh, uh, fibrous surface. 
Now, in some cases, we just want to get all the fibers to go in the right direction, but we're not really, our goal isn't really to raise a bunch of fibers up out of the surface. Um, so we can do something called brushing. And brushing uses the same roller that we might use in emmerizing, so a sandpaper roller. But the goal is not to actually damage the fibers. The goal is just to um, kind of remove any marks on the fabric that might have been there from it, uh, from finishing and handling, right? So to kind of get all the fibers pointed in the same direction. So in our pad range, we might just have a, a, a roller that that just brushes the surface of the fabric using the sandpaper, right? So it's just kind of a, a quick swipe across the surface. So I just wanted to mention that. Some you could say, oh, this is a brushed denim. It just means that it's been kind of tidied up. So that's uh, all of the softening, right? Chemicals and mechanical means. Let's turn to the other way we might change the hand, uh, which is through... Um, uh, using uh, some sort of um, uh, making it crisp in some way or stiff so the opposite of soft now uh, the first way that we might make it kind of crisp or stiff is to starch it and originally starch was uh, some sort of uh, you know literally a starch from um, uh, you know uh, potatoes right uh, so when we say oh I don't eat much starches right or or potentially some sort of light glue like you know um, made from keratin or something uh, starch is temporary and washes out and unfortunately it yellows with age so if you have an old textile an old jabot uh, neck cloth um, that was starched it will start to yellow over time uh, that's why uh, one of the first things that museum conservators do with old textiles is rinse them incredibly carefully in um, distilled water in order to try and remove any finishes that can be removed that might age over time. So back in the day, everybody loved the stiffed and starched collars and things. Again, it showed how correct they were, how stiff they were. Um, so if we had a century-long stiff fetish now, we're probably into a century-long soft and floppy fetish. Uh, another way we could stiffen up fabric is to parchmentize it. This is permanent. Parchmentizing only works with cotton. So we'll take a combed cotton, something that's been um, where the fibers are uh, highly twisted and close together, and then we'll dip it very quickly in sulfuric acid, which just damages the outer surface of the fibers, making them very stiff. It improves transparency because, you know, gosh, you just burned off a little bit of the fiber. All right, so that covers hand and luster. In the next episode, we'll talk about uh, coatings, which may or may not be pretty to look at, and designs, which, you know, somebody thought was prettier. They wouldn't have designed it. Mm -hmm.